0: Hello, and welcome to the CRE with CBC Worldwide podcast. With us today is Eric Oliver, Vice President of Business Development at Cost Segregation Authority, a Salt Lake City-based firm. While cost segregation capabilities are commonly resident in CPA firms, Cost Segregation Authority has a team of experts solely focused on cost segregation studies for clients. Today, we'll dive deeply into the topic. My name is Dan Spiegel, Managing Director of Cobalt Banker Commercial, and I'll be your host. CBC has close to 3,000 commercial professionals around the US and North America and around the globe. The US tax code has a number of specific provisions that relate to the needs of the commercial real estate investment community, and cost segregation is one way to ensure that investors are reaping the tax advantages available for their properties. Eric is an expert in this area, and we look forward to learning more about how investors can take advantage of cost segregation strategies. Eric has an undergraduate degree in accounting. He has held business management roles in a variety of industries, but has been a part of Cost Segregation Authority for the past six years. Eric, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. I'm glad to be here. So let's start out, if you could tell us a little bit about your path to your current role. I can't imagine as a, a child or youth, you grew up saying, I want to be a cost segregation expert. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you uh, how you reached the role that you're in today? Uh, and then we'll dive deeper into what cost segregation is. So, Eric, over to you.
1: Sure, yeah, that's a that's a great question because you're absolutely right. I never um, grew up thinking I would be uh, doing cost segregation. So kind of the way I got here, Dan, is I, um, Take it back to my college days. I was in college. Um, At the time, I was looking to get out of college as quickly as possible. Math always came somewhat easy to me versus English or the sciences. So I knew I was gonna be either a finance or accounting degree. I ended up getting my degree in accounting. Shortly after college, I ended up getting a a business development job, took a sales job out in Virginia, and so um, started selling um, back then. Uh, That took me to New York. I uh, lived in New York for five years and I was looking to come back west where I, I was originally, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. Um, came across this company, I had, I had some sales background, had some accounting background and came across a company called Cost Seg Authority. Authority. Um, to be honest with you, Dan, at the time, I had no idea what cost segregation was. I had to look up YouTube videos before my interview so that I could speak to it because I didn't know what cost segregation was. I did uh, have some experience in real estate at the time, um, had a few rental properties, but Um, and never heard about cost seg. So once I found out what it was, started doing some research, it was very fascinating to me. And I felt like with my accounting degree and some of the research, or excuse me, some of the real estate knowledge that I had, I thought it'd be a good fit. So that's kind of how I ended up here um, at Cost Segregation Authority. Great. So perhaps not by design, but it was
0: a good fit for your skills and background. Uh, And it's really an important topic for commercial real estate investors. So why don't we start at the beginning, Eric, and uh, just let's talk about you know, what is cost segregation and why is it important for commercial real estate investors?
1: Yeah, uh, cost segregation really is just accelerated depreciation on your real estate assets. So um, one of the great benefits of owning real estate is for the tax deductions. So there's a lot of tax deductions that can come along with owning real estate. Typically, those tax deductions come in the form of depreciation, which is taken over 39 years for commercial properties or 27 and a half years for residential properties. So just to make the math easy, Dan, let's say you buy a $390,000 office building, which doesn't exist these days. Let's call it an office condo that you may be able to find somewhere. Um, Normally that would be depreciated over 39 years. So you take $390,000, divide it by 39 years, and essentially you're getting a $10,000 write-off every year for the next 39 years. Um, That's called straight line depreciation. That's what a lot of investors and CPAs are currently doing. With cost segregation, we want to accelerate those deductions. I may not own the office condo in 39 years. That may not be part of my strategy. I want my deductions now versus spreading them out equally over 39 years. And the way that's done is through an engineering-based study where we come in, and when you buy that office condo, you're not just buying the land and the walls, but maybe you're buying some carpet and some countertops and some window coverings. There's a whole number of things that you buy when you buy those assets that the IRS says should be depreciated over a faster rate. Um, the problem for your tax preparer is they don't know what the value of those items are. They just get a closing statement from you um, at the end of the year that says, hey, I bought this building for 390000 but they can't articulate or put a value to the parking lot, for example, or the flooring. And so that's what a cost segregation does is it segregates the costs into different buckets, which allows you and your tax preparer to depreciate those at a much faster rate. Interesting. So it is—it's fairly technical to some degree, or at least
0: financial. Um, but it essentially allows the CRE investor to perhaps accelerate depreciation uh, if that's a good fit for their their financial needs, uh, as opposed to taking a straight line depreciation over the uh, over the term over the thirty nine years that you described. Um, I remember hearing about bonus depreciation being phased out uh, per a timeline of the tax cuts and job acts of 2017. I, I'm not clear exactly on what is bonus depreciation, how that relates to what you just mentioned in terms of cost segregation. So you, why don't you uh, help us understand that a little bit?
1: Yeah, um, bonus depreciation is a, is a great tool. Uh, bonus depreciation has been around for a number of years. The the IRS, the government, they use bonus depreciation to stimulate the economy. And so bonus depreciation allows you to depreciate things at even a faster rate. So cost segregation accelerates it, and then bonus depreciation accelerates it again. It's kind of like putting cost segregation on steroids. So what that means is when we segregate the asset, instead of having one 39-year asset, we've got a five-year assets, seven-year assets, and 15-year assets, and the rest of it falls in that 39-year category. Well, those five, seven, and 15-year assets are all eligible for bonus. So in order for you to take bonus on an asset, the asset has to have a useful life of 20 years or less. So if you don't do a cost seg study and you just have a 39-year asset, it doesn't qualify. But with a cost segregation study, those 5-, 7-, and 15-year assets do qualify for bonus. And bonus depreciation was really enhanced with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act at the end of 2017. So let's take it back to 2017. Donald Trump was our president. Um, Donald Trump owns real estate. And so when he revised the tax code, it was very favorable to real estate investors. And they increased the bonus percentage. So prior to that, bonus was at 50%. After the tax cuts and jobs, Act, bonus went to 100%. So any assets placed into service between 9-27 of 17, so September 27th of, 20, of 17, and 12-31 of 2022 are eligible for a 100% bonus. So that's huge. So that think about that in what we were talking about, if I segregate and I say that there's $100,000 worth of five-year assets in your building, instead of depreciating that and spreading that out over five years, which is great, that's still better than 39 years, but what if we could take 100% of that in the first year? And that's what we could do with 100% bonus. And so 100% bonus was 927 of 17 to 1231 of 2022. Starting here in 2023, it does phase out to 80%. And then it drops 20% every year until 2027 when it's down to zero. Now, in saying that, there was recently a proposal pushed forth by the Ways and Means Committee um, to extend 100% bonus till 2025. So we'll see if that gets passed here in Congress. But 100% bonus, 80% bonus, 40% bonus, 60% bonus, those are all great numbers. And and like I said, it just puts cost segregation on steroids. It enhances and allows you to accelerate at even a faster rate faster rate. That's great. I want to dive deeper into that, but before we do, let us let me just
0: summarize if I could, in my words, what we just discussed. So we talked about one buys a commercial asset and you can depreciate the cost over 39 years straight line, right? So 39, yep. uh, your, your example, 390,000, 3.9 million, it doesn't really matter for simple, sure. uh, but it's straight line divided by 39. That's the depreciation write-off you get every year. So that's one. Two is by doing a cost segregation analysis, you could find uh, opportunities to accelerate that depreciation. So you get more of the depreciation, let's call it upfront nearer to the acquisition date, let's say. And that's could be beneficial to the investor because maybe they have gains from something else that need to offset on their taxes. Okay. So that's part two. And then if I understood correctly with the with the bonus depreciation, that means you could accelerate it even faster. You said, called it on steroids, right? You could accelerate even faster. Uh, and that's being phased out, although TBD is to what its ultimate fate is. Did I get those three kind of paths and categories correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's a perfect description. Okay. All right. So then let's go back into the bonus depreciation. So it is, you said it was uh, 100%, now 80%, and then it's at least scheduled to be phased out. Does that mean cost segregation will no longer be necessary? What does it mean for the real estate investor?
1: What it means is cost segregation was around before bonus. So we still want to take that 39-year asset and accelerate it to either 5, 7 or 15 years or portions of that to 5, 7 or 15 years. So even when bonus depreciation completely phases out, if it ever does, like I said that's the current phase out period but that's up for that could change with the new administration, it could change with the new tax code, uh, it just depends but Even if it does fully phase out, you're still gonna wanna do cost segregation because again, we're taking about 30% of your depreciable basis. So 30% of that 390,000 in that example, so 130,000 of that, we're moving from a 39-year category to either a five, seven, or 15-year category. And so it's a significant amount even without bonus, it's just that bonus is, like I said, put this on steroids and it's made cost segregation a lot more valuable to a lot smaller investors. So, cost segregation in the past, and a lot of this is a, a, a big misconception in the industry, and a lot of CPAs will still tell me, well, cost segregation is just for large multi-million dollar properties, right? And the answer is no, it used to be that way because the benefit wasn't as great as it is today, and the fees for the studies were higher, so you had to have a multi-million dollar property for it to make sense, or at least a million dollar property for it to make sense but with some of the provisions around bonus depreciation and the cost coming down because it's becoming more and more popular um cost segregation works on anything from a single family rental all the way up to a large commercial building so um again bonus depreciation has really had a powerful impact on the industry interesting so let's let
0: me just get into some examples if I could so you just mentioned something that really sparked my curiosity so Let's just give some examples. So, if I if I bought a let's say a portfolio of five single family rental homes at the same time, let's say, uh, and again, straightforward depreciation is thirty nine years of the acquisition cost. What type in the segregation analysis where you look at the different elements uh, of the property? What kind of attributes, elements, whatever would be depreciated perhaps at a faster rate that the cost segregation might identify?
1: Yeah. So the Typically, like I said, it's usually uh, four categories. So we have the five and seven year assets. Those are typically interior assets, things like carpet, countertops, cabinets, ceiling fans, appliances, the electrical distribution for the appliances, the specialty plumbing for the appliances. Like Those are typically the interior portions, everything that's non-structural on the inside. Then you've got your 15-year assets. That's all your exterior, so all your land improvements. Things like curbs, gutters, asphalt, concrete, irrigation, retaining walls, fencing, outdoor lighting, security. There's a number of things that fall in that 15-year category. And then everything that's left over, that's your structural, your roof, your walls, your doors, your windows. That all stays in the 39-year category. So as I mentioned, well, in this case, because it's a a residential, I guess it'd be 27-and-a-half-year category. But as I mentioned, we usually find about 30% that we could put into those 5, 7, and 15-year categories. Uh, but those are kind of the main things we're looking for when we when we do our analysis. Great. So it's taking the asset, we're splitting it into little pieces, so
0: to speak, or, or the study is splitting it into pieces. And then you're identifying which of those pieces might be depreciated faster for the benefit of the investor. Uh, and again, the, the, the real benefit of this is being able to have a larger amount of depreciation, I'll call it upfront again, uh, that might offset gains in some other part of the uh, the investor's portfolio, not necessarily just that asset. So it's super interesting. I've heard about depreciation recapture tax. Uh, how does that factor into the tax equation for the real estate investor?
1: Yeah. So when you sell an asset, there's two types of tax you typically pay. You pay your capital gains tax and you pay depreciation recapture. And your depreciation recapture is calculated based on how much depreciation you've taken. So I'm over here saying, hey, let's front load this depreciation, let's take as much as we can up front. And sometimes we'll get CPAs or investors who say, wait a minute, Eric, if I take it all up front, that just means I have a bigger tax bill on the on the sell of the asset, isn't that correct? And it's really not. So the, the idea behind cost segregation and depreciation recapture is you're taking your deduction today against your ordinary income. So let's say I'm in a 37% federal uh, income bracket and a 5% state, that puts me at 42%. I'm taking my deduction today against income that's going to be taxed at 42%. I'm paying back a portion of that when I sell the asset at a 20 or 25% capital gains or recapture rate, and I'm saving that spread between 37% and 25% or 20%. And not only am I saving that spread, I'm not paying it all back. And I'll kind of back into an example here, Dan, because I think it uh, makes a little more sense. But let's say I buy a building for a million dollars and I sell it five years later for two million. Would I go to settle up with the IRS, I'm telling them that everything has doubled in value. I bought all this stuff in this rental home for a million. I'm selling all this stuff in the rental home for two million. So everything has doubled in value. Well... Dan, your land may have doubled in value, your walls may have doubled in value, but that dirty, nasty carpet that's stained and five years old is not worth double what I paid for it. And when you don't do a cost segregation study, that's what's happening is you're telling the IRS that everything's doubled in value. So carpet is a five-year asset. So in that example where I've owned it for five years, what's the book value of your carpet after five years? It's zero has no value according to the IRS. It's fully depreciated. And so you shouldn't be paying any tax on that. You shouldn't be paying any capital gains tax on the sell of that carpet. So again, the whole idea with the recapture is take your deduction at a high rate, pay back a portion of it, and that portion is dependent upon how long you own it, pay back a portion of it at a lower rate at a future date, and save the spread. And so that's kind of getting a little bit into the weeds, but if you you and your listeners can remember anything from that, don't sell your dirty, nasty carpet for more than you bought it for. And unfortunately, we see that happen all too often in the industry where people don't do cost segregations um, studies and they end up selling it for more than they bought it for. And so this is an important, we work with a lot of commercial real estate brokers where they'll come to us, they'll say, Eric, my clients own this building for 10 years. They never did a cost seg study. They want to sell the building today. It's gone up in value. It's doubled in value over those 10 years. Can you do a cost segregation study right before we sell this asset? And the reason for that is because they want to identify those short-term assets so they don't end up paying capital gains on them when they sell the asset. So um, cost segregation, you know, it can be done right when you buy the property or it can be done right before you sell the property. There's different, depending on your investment strategy and your income and Couple other variables, there's a certain, that's certainly a right time to do it or a more valuable time to do it. But we get calls all the time, you know, from savvy uh, commercial real estate brokers to say, hey, my clients bought this building 10 years ago. They're selling it. Before we get it under contract, we want to hurry and do a cost sake study because we can create, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of tax savings often uh, by doing it right before the sale. So I think there's. I think you mentioned there are a couple of different
0: timeframes you might do a cost seg analysis. One is upfront at the ag- at the acquisition time, so you can determine uh, whether you can accelerate depreciation for a tax benefit. Uh, the other opportunity, and tell me if you do it, maybe it's recommended to do both. But the other opportunity is perhaps right before sale, so you can mitigate or reduce the amount of capital gains uh, on the sale of that asset. And potentially pay less tax. So those are the two key uh, points in time. And and would you do both
1: potentially? Um, So typically, you just have to do one. So it's just one study in the ownership of the property, and it can you know cost segregation is a very valuable tax planning tool because it's one of the few expenses that you can kind of pick and choose when you use it. So this is where we like to get the CPA or the tax preparer involved because you know you've got a high a high net worth or a high income earning. Individual, they buy a property. They need the deduction right away, so they're going to do it in the year they purchase the asset. Then you've got another type of investor who maybe this is their, you know, they've got a, they buy a property, but they're having a low income year for whatever reason, or maybe that's their first rental property and it's not generating income yet. Maybe they don't do it the first year. You just hold on to that cost segregation study. The first year you take your standard deduction, maybe even the second year you take the standard deduction. And then all of a sudden, in the third year, when it starts producing income, or maybe you had a great year in your other real estate, or you have, like you mentioned, you sold an asset, you've got a large capital gain, maybe that third year, you do the cost segregation study that third year. And we get to actually do the cost segregation study the third year, take the missed depreciation that we could have taken in year one and two, catch that, bring that forward, catch it up, bring it forward, and we get to take those deductions in the current year. That's called a a look-back study. And so, um, really, cost segregation and, and this depreciation mechanism—you want to use it to manage your tax brackets. And so, it's always important to get the CPA involved and say, "Hey, is now the right time for me to do cost seg?" Because I don't want to create a $300,000 deduction for you if you're only making $10,000 of income a year. Because it's going to take you 30 years to use those deductions, so you might as well just stick to the the 39-year, you know, schedule or 27 and a half-year schedule. So. It's always very important. But the, the long answer or the short answer to your question, Dan, is cost segregation can be done anytime from the time you purchase the asset to the time you sell it. And it's just a matter of a number of different factors and kind of using a tax strategy to figure out when is the best time that I can max it. Use those deductions when you're in the highest tax bracket, whether it be at the beginning, the middle, or the end. We want to use those deductions when you're in the highest tax bracket.
0: So It's very, it's super interesting. And I think I will, uh, one key takeaway from this conversation is rely on an expert, right? Because you've talked about five, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know how many concepts already. And clearly you needed to bring in an expert uh, to discuss your particular asset situation, maybe also with your CPA, your financial situation before you make a decision on on when and uh, when to, to deploy a, a cost segregation study. So that's interesting. Let's Let's, in a way, let's I won't say back up, but let's go out a little bit. Um, one thing it's kind of questioning in my mind, I'm kind of circulating about is is the benefit of cost segregation equal across all different types of commercial property asset types? So let's take, you know, multifamily, office, industrial, uh, senior housing, student housing, self storage, so on and so forth, right? Hotels. Um, would do all these different asset classes within pro- commercial real estate? potentially benefit from cost segregation analysis?
1: Um, that's a great question, Dan. Um, so a couple things to think about when you're purchasing a property that will impact your cost segregation results per se. So the first thing is is location. So land value is non-depreciable. So if I buy a million dollar asset in San Francisco and the land is worth 800000 and the building is worth 200000 my cost seg study is only going to be done on that $200,000 portion. Got it. Versus if I take that same million and I go buy a building in Oklahoma and land is only valued at 10%, now my cost segregation study is going to be done on 900000 versus, you versus know, the 200000 So in both scenarios, I spend a million dollars, but in the Oklahoma scenario, I'm going to get a much bigger deduction because the land is worth significantly less. So that's the first thing to consider is location. Then you mentioned a great thing and you mentioned you know the type of asset. So typically, industry average kind of quick back of the napkin type math, it's around 30% segregation of the building. So if you buy a million dollar building, we say the land is worth 200,000. That gives you 800,000 of depreciable basis. We will typically segregate around 30% for most asset classes. Now, apartment buildings, hotels where there's a lot of stuff inside, they might get 35, 37%. Industrial or warehouse where it's just a big empty building might get, you know, 20, 25%. But industry average is about 30%. Now, there are a couple of unique outliers, um, one of them being car washes, which, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. If you buy a car wash, what are you buying? You're, you're really just buying some asphalt, some drainage, some landscaping, and maybe some equipment. You're not buying a, a structure, a building where somebody will go in and work or live. And so, um, car washes oftentimes can be fully depreciated in the first year, or they're considered a 15 year asset. And so, with bonus depreciation, you can take anywhere from 100% to 80% of those deductions in the first year. So, in that example, if you would have bought a car wash last year for a million, Let's say the land is worth 200000 so you've got 800000 again, of depreciable basis. You may be able to write off that whole 800000 all in the first year. Interesting. Is, yeah. So that's why a lot of high – I don't know if about where you live, Dan, but where we live here in Salt Lake, there's car washes going in everywhere. And um, a lot of that is for the tax write-off. So a lot of high-income people will buy a car wash at the end of the year. Car wash might be breaking even or making a little bit of cash, but they're doing it because they're going to save a boatload of money in taxes. So that's the the first one. The second unique category is, is gas stations and you know not everybody wants to get into the the petroleum industry or the gas industry but gas stations get treated a little bit differently as well where they get treated as a 15 year asset in some cases and you can take a huge deduction on those in the first year but outside of those two categories most of it's right around that 30% that's,
0: that's interesting. I I think I noticed when I was at the ICSC conference in Las Vegas, you know, the largest retail real estate conference uh, held every year. Uh, last this past May, there was a plethora of car wash uh, brands. I guess I'll call it that. Real. And it did occur to me, like, why are there so many car washes? Right? Why why so many brands? I think there's a couple things. One is um, there's a new subscription model that uh, that's a better operating model, maybe more profitable operating model for car wash owners. But you just identified another one which is the potential tax benefit of owning a car wash, particularly if you're looking for a near-term write-off you know, of, of most of the acquisition price because you're trying to offset a gain. So super interesting. Uh, and then service stations is another interesting category. We have a number of cobalt banker commercial professionals that do nothing but sell uh, service stations, which is part an operating business of the retail store and part a gas uh, business. Um, and uh, I didn't really know the nuance of that, and I think you've explained some of that. So appreciate that. So there's the the bulk of commercial real estate, and then there's some special use cases that have some unique uh, potential benefits. Actually, in this case, uh, for doing cost activities and understanding the depreciable depreciation timeframe for the asset. So so interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. When you're working with a commercial real estate broker, you're or perhaps you're an investor yourself, or you are the broker. It could be a variety of situations. Uh, and when is the best time to advise the client or to discuss with the club with the client, um, you know, should we do a cost seg, seg study? Is that before you develop your asking price for the property? Does it impact the offer price? Uh, should it be part of the due diligence phase? Why don't you explain the optimal timing for, if you're looking at upfront, let's say, because we talked about two different scenarios, but if you're looking for upfront, when is the optimal time to potentially engage a cost seg study? And how does that play into your negotiation uh, strategy for the uh, acquiring an asset?
1: Sure. So I always will advise to get the analysis done as soon as possible. So oftentimes when we're working with investors or real estate brokers, they may be in the initial, they may be looking at one or two or three different properties to invest in. And they'll call us and say, hey, Eric, can you run three different analyses for my client? You know, they're looking at a car wash, an industrial building, and an office building. And all three of those are gonna have, you know, they're gonna spend, you know, roughly $10 million either way, but all three of those are gonna have very different results on the cost sake side. And so factoring that in is important and and we're happy to run these most cost segregation companies will run an initial analysis before you ever engage them. Uh-huh. So you can tell us the address and the purchase price, and we can give you a pretty good idea of what you can expect in terms of tax write-off in those first couple of years. And so I would always encourage investors or brokers to get us involved as early as possible. Those analyses, they don't cost anything. We'll do as many as you want. Um, But we've got a lot of brokers who call us and say, hey, my client's considering these three properties. Do you mind running a quick analysis? That way you can give that information back to the investor and say, hey, here's something to keep in mind, you know. You don't ever want to buy a property simply for the tax purpose, but it could play depending on your financial situation. There are times where that's an important piece of why you're buying commercial real estate, and so um, having that information available to you, it's just one more thing you can add to your toolkit, to your due diligence, to figure out you know return on investment and how much how much am I going to really get from this property? So. My recommendation would be, you know, as soon as you've identified a few properties, get an analysis done. It just gives you more information. It doesn't mean you have to do the cost savings study that year, but it gives you the information so you know and you can use it as a tax planning tool to know, okay, if I do buy this property, here's how much deduction I can anticipate. And then you can work with your tax preparer, your financial advisor to say, okay, I've got the numbers in front of me now. When do we deploy those numbers to maximize our tax savings? So information is key there yeah so uh
0: if it's a listener here who's a broker uh a understand the concept of cost segregation and b raise the topic with your client and because it depends on the investor's uh, particular financial situation tax needs and so forth whether it's it's valuable up front or not but make sure you you discuss it. and if you're an investor really think about it um, as part of your strategy what type of asset perhaps you're you're looking at buying in terms of and maybe i should buy is we talked about a car wash because i have a large gain as opposed to a whatever a five unit apartment building let's say yeah. so there's a lot going into it but i think what we're saying here and you're educating me which is think about it upfront make sure it's part of your personal due diligence as you think about how to deploy capital in commercial real estate so interesting yeah. let me let me let's bring it down or or another step i guess is two questions, two part questions. So first of all, we, we use the example of $390,000 simply because it's super easy to divide by 39. Right. Uh, is there a dollar value threshold that when a cost seg study makes sense? And so let's just start. That's part one. That's part one of my question.
1: All right. So certainly. So because the dollar value has a huge impact on the return, obviously, because we're taking it based off that purchase price. So with bonus depreciation, like I said, five, seven years ago, I would say you've got to have a million-dollar asset for this to make sense. Today's And a lot of CPAs will still tell you that, unfortunately, because I think that's just the mindset they're in. But with bonus depreciation, number one, the the benefits have gone up. So now you just need, I always advise people, if you have an asset that has a depreciable basis of 250000 or greater, you should have an analysis run. That doesn't always mean that it's going to make sense but at least get the numbers run, because oftentimes on a $250,000 asset, if we're going to segregate, like I mentioned, about 30%, that's a $75,000 write-off. And if you're in a 30% tax bracket, let's be conservative and say 30% combined state and federal, 30% of $75,000 is you know, $25,000 of tax savings. And if that study costs you two dollars or $3,000 to complete, that's a great return on your investment. No brainer there. Yeah. So the, the fees have come down. You know, these studies used to cost ten, fifteen thousand dollars a study. We'll do single family rentals now for, you know, twenty seven hundred to three thousand. Um, larger properties are obviously going to be more, you know, anywhere from, you know, four thousand up to ten thousand. But I know that's a wide range, but there's always gonna be at least a seven to ten X return on your investment, if not more. Um, you know, some of the smaller properties might get you 7 to 10x return, but some of the larger properties, I mean, I've seen 100x return. You know, a $10,000 study, client saves, you know, $800,000 of taxes. So anything over 200000 definitely get an analysis done. Again, we want to get your CPA involved, your tax preparer involved to make sure that the savings is there. But um, that's kind of the threshold now is where I always recommend. For that cost-sake
0: study, I just have a question there. So you're based in Salt Lake City. I know your firm has got um, out, you know, offices in different parts of the country. Is there does an expert actually have to go physically inspect the property? So, let's say I was buying a property in Montana where you don't have a uh, uh, presence. Is that something where the uh, cost seg expert has to go physically look at it, or is this something they can do remotely?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So one of the great things that came out of COVID, we used to inspect every building, whether it was a single family rental or a huge office complex. We used to we used to send one of our costing engineers to those buildings all across the country. Um, one of the great things that came out of COVID is we had to learn to adapt and there was travel restrictions and, and whatnot. So um, a lot of our site visits are done virtually. A lot of the smaller assets we can do virtually so it's kind of a video conferencing app that we use. We get the client on the line or a property manager, have them walk the property, show us the flooring in the kitchen, show us the appliances. There's certain things we need to do. A, we need to look at in order to do a study. On all the larger properties, we still want to send somebody out uh, because they could take two or three hours for us to do our analysis or inspection. So it's not fair to have somebody on a video conference for that long. So um, yeah, so the IRS does require a site visit in their audit guide. The IRS has an audit guide that tells their agents how to, to review these studies. And one of the key components of that audit guide is it it does state that in order for it to be a quality report, it does need to have a site visit. So um, we do a site visit on every property, but those can be done either in person or virtually. Um, if it's a property in Hawaii, it has to be done in person, and I have to go do it myself There make sure it's done correctly. But, um yeah we do it in person or or virtually
0: well that's great actually that's, again as one as you said one of the benefits of coming through the uh COVID pandemic is these virtual uh tools that we have now uh that have facilitated a number of businesses including your own uh since you mentioned a, a state in particular hawaii uh and you also mentioned the combined tax rate of the federal and state are are there nuances in cost analysis state by state so you know some states may have higher income tax. some states have higher property tax. Is there a nuance, you know, by state for doing a cost analysis some states where you really want to do it and others you don't. and and I guess part B to that, is there any um, benefit if I'm an a, an investor and I own a property in Mexico or Canada would can I also benefit from it? So two part yeah. question
1: yeah. so um states do have their nuances. You know, every state has a different tax rate. and so some states have no tax, no income tax. so, Um, The benefit, you know, if you're in California where you're, let's say you're in a 37% federal and a 13% state tax, that's 50%. So if we create a $100,000 deduction and you're saving at 50%, that's a $50,000 tax savings. Versus a state like, you know, Texas that doesn't have an income tax or Nevada, there's no income tax. So you don't get the savings on the state side. That's the first thing. The second thing is not all states conform to the federal bonus depreciation rules. So California is an example where you don't get to take bonus depreciation on your state income tax return, only your federal income tax return. So um, there's 14 states throughout the country currently that don't conform to the bonus regulation rules of the federal government. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And then as far as international properties, yes, as long as you're paying U.S. tax on those properties, so we have done studies on properties in both Canada and Mexico where you know they've got a, a a beachfront property in 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 Mexico somewhere, but they're paying U.S. tax on that. Then we're able to do the cost segregation study on, on those as well. Great, that that really expands your reach uh, and yeah. the benefit of this whole uh, cost
0: seg uh, service that that's provided. So, Eric, we talked about a lot of different things. Uh, you've helped me become more educated on the cost segregation process, what's important, what things I one would want to consider as a real estate investor or perhaps a brokerage professional advising a client. I know that there are a lot of, it seems like I hear about a lot of cost segregation firms out there. How do, how do you differentiate between firms if I were an investor or a broker looking to engage with someone like yourself?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'll start by saying there are, the IRS in that audit guide I mentioned, there are different methods of doing this. And so the IRS just revised that audit guide at the end of last year. And I think one of the reasons is because cost segregation has become more and more popular with bonus depreciation, um, with the amount of tax savings that's available, it's becoming more and more popular. And, and our industry was kind of like the Wild West before that. So there's a number of different methodologies on how you do this. There's no governing body that says, you know, you don't have to have a certain type of certification to do cost segregation. Um, you need to have construction knowledge. You need to have tax knowledge. But You don't have to have any type of certification. And so with that audit guide, it kind of reigned in to say that, you know, the wild west of how things were done. So the reason I say that there's really two main types of cost segregation studies. You've got your online versions. They're kind of like the TurboTax of our industry. So they're a little bit less expensive. I'll say that the results seem to be quite a bit more conservative and they get challenged a little bit more by the IRS because they don't meet, they don't fit all the, the buckets as well as as an engineering-based study. So you've got an online study, you've got an engineering-based study. And engineering-based studies where we actually send a live body, we send somebody there, we actually look and say, okay, how much carpet is in this building? Versus the online tools, oftentimes we'll just take some averages. So they say, does your building have carpet? Oh, it does? Okay. Then we're going to take this average out. And, and so they're not quite as thorough, but they are less expensive. But I would to me, when I've looked or compared the two, and I've seen just about every report in our industry, the extra couple thousand dollars you pay for an engineering-based study, because it's based on actual actual results versus just averages, oftentimes the results are significantly higher. And so, you know, if you do an online study and get 20% segregation, or you pay for an engineering-based study and get 30% segregation, that 10% difference on a million dollar asset, that's $100,000 of depreciation. Take that times a 30% tax bracket conservative again, that's a $30,000 difference in your tax savings. And the difference in costs in those two studies might be $2,000. So it's just a math. this i tell you, Dan, this is the easiest sales job I've ever had because its it's not even a sales job. It's just Getting the numbers in front of people. I don't have to convince anybody that this makes sense or not. It's just a numbers game. It's a simple equation. You know, pay us $4,000, save $40,000, or pay us $4,000, save $3,000. Okay, that doesn't make sense. No one's going to do that. So I would always advise people get a couple different bids um, because there is a huge difference in firms. You know, you take your tax return, Dan, to five different CPAs. You're going to owe five different amounts once they've all looked at those your te- It's all the same information. They're all getting the same W2 and the same K1s, but it's their interpretation of the law and what they're willing to, to um not what they're willing, but how they interpret the law that changes why you get a different result. So always get a couple of different quotes um, because there's a, a quite a variance. I've seen We've redone studies where one CPA firm got 18% segregation. We looked at the same building and got 32% segregation. Wow! And the client wasn't happy with the 18, and so they said, "Hey, can you take a look at this?" And we looked at it and said, "Well, yeah, they they didn't take the indirect costs, or they didn't allocate the electrical for the personal property." And so there was a number of things that there are differences. And just just be do your due diligence, get a couple quotes, and and talk through it, but excellent well that's helpful and i think
0: you drew a important distinction for some of the online tools that are available for a variety of professions today uh they're they're efficient they're quick uh however it's not the same as relying on a professional service provider like a brokerage broker or like a cost segregation or a cpa or an attorney right they're all going to have different opinions but they can go a lot deeper you know than than an online formula can so that thank you for that you know, I think the last thing you know you mentioned, and you just said it now, I guess, is when you're looking to engage cost segregation, I, I, you mentioned that your firm does a free analysis right up front. Uh, is that common in the industry, and is that a good way to get started in the in the
1: conversation? Yeah, definitely. Most cost companies will provide that free analysis, and it just requires a little bit of information. So um, you know we can turn our analysis around in twenty four to forty eight hours get those numbers in front of you, and then it's just a matter of talking with your tax preparer to see if it, if it makes sense. Excellent. Well, Eric, you know, you've know, you been a great guest today. I really appreciate
0: all the knowledge that you've shared. I think uh, one key takeaway uh, you know, up front is learn. Learn uh, learn what tools are available to you as a real estate professional. Uh, learn what's available for your clients as a real estate investor right? because um, knowledge is money in this case. I think that's pretty easy to say. Um, but my key takeaways, Eric, today are, first of all, engage an expert. Uh, we at Banker we'll Commercial talk about this a lot. I mean, the reason you use a brokerage professional is because they're an expert on uh, commercial real estate and brokerage. And it's important to engage an expert like, uh, like your firm, Cost Segregation Analyst, to make sure that you're getting the benefits you can, uh, from, potential benefits from, from the study. Uh, I think two, aside from engaging an expert is as an investor and you're new to cost segregation, just go get a free analysis, right? That sounds like it's, That sounds like a no-brainer to me because that free analysis can certainly highlight for you as an investor what might be the potential of, of uh, looking at a full cost seg study as well as applying it to your tax situation. And then simply, I think number three is don't leave money on the table, right? It's worth the analysis, it's worth the time uh, talking with your CPA with your brokerage professional and an, and an expert like a cost segment firm like your own, Eric, um, to make sure that you're just gaining the bet, the most out of your your investment decision, right? I think that's pretty straightforward, but um, I imagine not everyone's doing it, right? Um, and it's something that people should take advantage of, and that's why we have podcasts to help educate people. Yes. Um, so thank yeah. you. Thank you no, for You
1: that. hit it on the head. I'm surprised at how many conferences we go to, real estate shows where people have never heard. I go to – we were just at an IRS conference last week with hundreds of tax preparers. And I would say half of those people that we talked to, when you say, are you familiar with cost segregation, had no idea what it was. And so you hit it on the head, You know, engage an expert, not only with your brokerage, but also with your tax preparer. There's a difference between a tax preparer and a tax strategist and know the difference. One of them processes your return. Mm-hmm. The other one strategizes with you on these types of ideas. And so, yeah, they're a little bit more money, but You're going to save tenfold in taxes by getting the right people involved. So um, definitely, definitely get an expert involved.
0: Yeah, and Eric, thank you for being on the podcast. That is actually, you summarize very nicely exactly why Cobalt Banker Commercial in our CRE uh, with CBC Worldwide podcast bring experts like yourself to the conversation because we want to educate people in the commercial real estate community about different things that, they, that could be beneficial in their business. So thank you for for sharing all your thoughts today. We really appreciate it. Uh, Eric, just uh, before we go, how do people
1: get in touch with you if they want to learn more about um, what your firm does? Yeah, so a couple of ways. Um, one is through um, our website is the best way. So my contact information out is out there on our website. It's just www.costsegauthority.com. And um, on that website, you can find my contact information, both, both my email, phone number. We will also do a free analysis from that website. So you just input a few pieces of information and we can quickly get you an analysis back. And then also we do education. So if there's any groups out there that want us to come in and provide an hour of education on this topic, we're happy to do that. And you can do that from our website as well.
0: That's fantastic. So Eric Oliver of Cost Segregation Authority, thank you so much for being our guest today. I think, as I said, this is exactly the reason we have the podcast uh, and there is a way for people to get in touch with you and follow up if they uh, were stimulated by the conversation and think there's an opportunity for themselves. So Eric, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm Dan Spiegel, Managing Director of Cobble Banker Commercial. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, please f- uh, remember to like and follow our podcast on your favorite podcast channel. Uh, we look forward to having, you know, getting your input and having you attend and listen to and learn more about commercial real estate with Cobalt Bank Commercial. Thanks very much and have a great day.